Our message today is going to make us think a little bit in some of their challenges. The message title is the, the Removal of Dad. The Removal of Dad. I want to start, uh, I don't normally do this, and I know we just prayed here in the congregation, but let me say a brief word of prayer on the message specifically. Lord, I pray that you bring, clear, bring clarity to the hearers of this word today. In a confusing world, in a confusing society, that my, the words I speak might be under your guidance. Would you grant me the unction of the Holy Spirit? And Father, may you make things clear and enlightening to those that would hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start with a story. The story I've told before to some of you, but you may not have heard it, and you might not remember it. It has to do with the, a herd of elephants, or a bunch of elephants, and you might remember this story. But it was uh, on a nature preserve. They, they were helping some elephants in Africa to try to sustain them. And so they took the elephants, and they were moving them to a new area. And so to move them to the new area, they got some young bull elephants and moved them with the rest of the, of, of the younger part of the herd. So they were establishing a new herd in a new location. But they kind of ran into a little bit of problem. These young bull elephants were unruly. They were causing damages to things that were around. I believe the report was decent that they killed a rhino and were just like I said, causing havoc. They were like a bunch of teenage bull el- teenagers, I guess. But there were these bull elephants, and they were, they were running around causing challenges. And if you don't know what a bull elephant is, it would be the boy elephants. Young boy elephants. Very rambunctious. They're trying to figure out what they could do to get them under control. And so finally, they decided to try something. And what did they try? They determined that they went and got some mature bull elephants and brought them into the area and brought them into the herd. And lo and behold, the mature bull elephants instructed in some manner the young bull elephants to cool it. And they started to behave. See, the young bull elephants were missing a father figure. They were missing that influence. And left to their own devices, they were destructive. Left to their own devices, they run ruly. They have a lot of energy. They have a lot of power. But they didn't know how to control it. And there was nobody that could control them, so they thought. So these older bull elephants taught them. There's a more recent story that had to do with a, a school that was having a lot of fights. Now, I don't think it was just the boys, it was the girls too, that were having fights in this school. You might re- relate, I've heard this story, but there were four or five men from the community just decided and got permission. They just kind of showed up to the school every day and just kind of hung out. And lo and behold things started to calm down. And on the newscast, they, they talked about 
this, they had this one uh, teenager that was on camera, and, and they showed the individual, and I, I believe it was a girl, but I'm not sure, and they said, you know, they walked through, and they said, did you know, dads have a look. Now, I don't know if this teenager, maybe she, she didn't have a dad, didn't have a, a thing at home, but dad has a look. I, it was my impression, the way she said it, was that she hadn't seen that before. And when dad gives a look, or a dad gives a look, and in times past, sometimes even the adult men would give a look to a young man, and the, the young man's father would have ex expected the other man to give a look to his son, if he's out of bounds, but it gives that control. But if we remove dads, which dads are being more and more removed from society, you see we get in some problems. And I could tell you we could get in some problems, but we're already in some problems with removal of dad. But let's think about this as we turn in our Bible and establish a couple things that make things, uh, that, that put this in context. I want you to go back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 through 28. Now we'll be moving around in the scripture, so if you don't find it, in your Bible, don't worry about it. I want you to hear, and you can see it on the screen, because there'll be about five or six passages of Scripture. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. And again, if you can't find it quickly, just watch it on the screen. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created, he created him... Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. May God have his blessing, the reading of his word. Now I want us to break this apart. There's some insights in here that you might not be aware of. We're going to stretch it just a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about some grammar or some uh, parts of speech, so to speak. And I, and I, I might even might be the, the right terms, but you'll pick up with it in a minute. So, God created man. And when it says man, it says it's there, it's mankind. Mankind, it's in the singular. So remember from English, there's singular and plural. Singular and plural. So, this is in the singular, meaning one, God created mankind. He's referring to it as mankind in the singular, in his own, in our image, it says here. Let us make man in our image. Oop, I'm, on the wrong, I'm on the wrong verse, I apologize. So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. So he created mankind, singular, in his own image, singular. And the image, a singular image, it's in the single, again, of God, plural. Did you catch this? Mankind, not plural. God, the Godhead, created mankind, singular, in his 
in the image, single image, of God, but God there is plural. Elohim. It's plural. It's the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Godhead, containing God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, were all there at creation. The plural. They created mankind in their image. Not in the image of God the Father. Not in the image of God the Son. Not in the image of God the Holy Spirit, but in the image of them as one. Their image as one. And he created them male and female. Created he them. The Godhead, in the singular again, he created in the image of God and image of God, created he them. Distinctively male and female. Which is in the image of God? The male or the female? It's the male and female together that is in the image of God. The male's in the image of God the Father. Doesn't say that that way. It says the male and the female together are in the image of the Godhead. If you eliminate the one, the children are not seeing the full image of God. If you eliminate the one, a child's not seeing the full image of God. If you have a single parent household, they're not seeing the full image of God, they're only seeing part of the image of God. I learned the premise of this sitting under the, a message or messages by Dr. Dennis Kinlaw. So feel free to look that up. Much more intelligent in this than I am. But we are in the image of God. Dr. Kinlaw also gave the illustration, and you might have remembered this the God of Sinai is the God of Calvary. The one that set down the rules also had the compassion. Son died for our sins. Where does a child see in the image of God? Where you have law and love. Law, Sinai, love, Calvary. Two, at the two ends of the table with the father and the mother. But see, if you eliminate the one, and what are we doing to society today? We're trying to eliminate dad. Now, if we eliminate the one, there is no what? There is no law. Ladies, you are much more in touch with your feelings and sensitivities than we guys are. Guys can kind of be a little more literal. We can be sometimes a little more objective. We can it's easier for us to remove ourselves from the feelings. You know, if a child's doing something wrong, the mother might tend to be more compassionate, and the guy says, that's enough. See, 
there's a balance there. But if you get it out of balance, then everything becomes okay. There's no one saying that's enough. Now, in John 1, 1, 3, I want to kind of pull this together just so someone might be wondering. This is just support of the concept that the Godhead was there. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. It said he was in the beginning with God. Just back to that was Elohim. They were together and they together let us create man in our own image. And he created it male and female. So the image of God is fulfilled in the male and the female. And so we have man and woman distinctly. Man and woman. They're supposed to go fruitful, go forth, be fruitful and multiply. And in past messages, we've talked about the order of marriage, but let's touch on this just a little bit right here. Matthew 19, 4 through 6. Now I'm going to speak a little bit in code, but the adults will figure out what we're doing. Matthew 19, 4 through 6. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and, he, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together let not man separate. Male and female. And the order of marriage is to leave, cleave, the act of marriage, and then children. And you can fill out, figure out what we're talking about here. It's through that process of leave and cleave, when you actually get married, then the act of marriage, and then children. So when it says be fruitful and multiply, it's leave, cleave, act of marriage, children, in that order. But if you get that out of order, but see, they want to eliminate the men. There's a lot of work to eliminate the men. Can't completely get rid of them. And we're going to talk about why, why would this be what the devil would want to do. We will get there. Because, let's just walk down this path a little bit farther. Ephesians 5.33 I would submit to you 
that women are part of the activity of eliminating men. I think we can make a case for women are engaged in trying to remove men, at least in the form that they were created. Ephesians 5.33 says, Nevertheless, let each of you in a particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It's been said that a man gets his self-confidence and his self-esteem by the most significant woman in his life. When a boy is coming up through, through, he's looking to please his mother. At some point then, when he gets married, who's he looking to please? His wife. If his wife disrespects him, puts him down, he's going to lose confidence. He loses that confidence, he's trying to please her. Then he stops being that strong man, that person that can provide you with security. He stops being that person. And if the wife disrespects the husband in front of the children... She then teaches her children, both the boys and the girls, that you know how men are. Used to be on TV, they had a show called Father Knows Best. Now most shows have to know are more like, you know how stupid dads are. So when a wife puts down her husband in front of the children, no less, let alone doing it in public, is that respecting her husband? And we can talk about the role that plays in society. but we can easily just talk about it's inconsistent with Scripture. See, if you respect a a husband when he's doing well and show that respect and encourage them, he needs that respect. You know, as a husband's told to love his wife, the wife's told to respect her husband. It could be that that's because a man has to decide to love. He doesn't be as much in touch, and a woman might be easier for her to love and less easy for her to respect. Just there's differences, right? I don't think in Proverbs it has Proverbs about a nagging husband. I think it's usually about a nagging wife. But see, all these things play together. If we undercut 
the value of the husband, if we undercut the value of the father, then those that are coming up, those children that are watching, find out that the father's not needed. And what's one of the most, what is, what is the one big thing that you see out there that most times you see on TV that's celebrated? I was raised by a single mother. How often do you hear, I was raised by a single father? No, it's the mother. She's the one. Not sure why all that is. Why those choices have been taken place, but it's by the single mother. There's no father there. Could it be that they got the order of marriage out of line? Could be. Could be that the, the husband wandered. Could be the wife didn't work on keeping her husband. You know, that is a thing, by the way. You know, it's very interesting. It says, if the wife is supposed to respect the husband and the husband's to love the wife, if the wife thinks it's okay not to respect her husband, does she think it's okay then for her husband not to love her? See, and we perpetuate this, perpetuate this over generations. I would say to you, there are some today that are probably celebrating their mother on Father's Day. Because they were raised by a single mother. And they would say something like, she had to be both mother and father. Don't celebrate the mother on Father's Day because she can't be mother and father. She can only be mother. She can't be father. The male and female are different. Yeah, but she's worked so hard, so we should celebrate her because she had to be. No, she couldn't be. She couldn't be. I will tell you, the best place, the most ideal situation, is if the biological father and the biological mother stay together with their biological children. Because that biological father is going to have children that has his traits, and he's going to see it before they see it. He's going to know where they're headed because he's been down that bad path before and he's going to try to warn them. This is nothing against adopted fathers and all those kinds of things, but it's the most ideal. But see, if we disrespect the father, disrespect the father's role, we start to undermine it and erode it. If we don't have the balance of law and love, where well, that's enough. And dad gives that look. Now, mother, sometimes it gets frustrating with. You know, I know. The, 
the father's doing something and the, the son's doing something, he's going around, the mom works and works and gets him to stop and it just doesn't work. Dad shows up, looks at him, turns his head and the child stops. It's real frustrating for mom. But that's, he's the dad. That's part of his role. But who does the child go to when they skin their knee? They go to mom. She has compassion. Whereas when they get to 12 or 13, dad's going to turn around and say, you fell down, you scratched your knee? Well, then get up, let's go. Yeah, but I hurt my knee. Stop crying, let's go. Now that sounds really harsh. But there will be some point in his life when he's trying to provide for his family that he's not going to feel like going to work. He's going to cut his arm, he's going to bruise his knee, his muscles are sore, and he's going to be, he's going to, no, I have to keep going. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter if I hurt. It doesn't matter if everybody's mad at me. It doesn't matter if I'm scared to go to work. I'm stressed out. I've got to do it anyhow. There's a balance. But if we eliminate dad, there's no balance. And people do everything that feels good to them, right? There's no law. There's no convicting. No, it's okay. We do a disservice when we don't project both the image of the father and the mother together. It's not mom, you against the dad in front of the children. If you have disagreements, you do that with mom and dad privately, not in front of the children. You undermine that. And if you do that in public, then you've told the other people that maybe haven't seen, modeled what a good husband and wife should do, that you've modeled for them. Maybe you're not their parent, but they might be like a spiritual adults. You've modeled for them that, hey, it's okay to be disrespecting the husband, to disrespect the father. You've told those young couples that come to the church that they don't have Christian parents, this is yeah, that's how you behave. It's, it's part of a game we play. We cut down on the men. Because we don't want them to be strong leaders. We want to be... Sometimes the question is, who has the most ego? Is it the husband or is it the wife? If the, if the husband is supposed to provide spiritual leadership in the home, you know, at some point in a couple, somebody's got to break the tie. If he's provides spiritual leadership in the home, if you were on a military campaign, there's a process called take the head off, cut the head off of the snake. You take out the leadership, and then you can attack your enemy. Think about this campaign, this military campaign, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? If I can, if, you're the, if, if you look at it from Satan's standpoint, if he can take away the male, 
father role out of the family, he can erode a society. And then your society becomes like what? The young bull elephants tearing up, indiscriminately killing things. The high school where they were having fights in the middle of the hall all the time. No one's allowed to get their feelings hurt. You know, just to illustrate the point, men and women are different on how they approach things. See, if we can eliminate, how do you eliminate the father? You eliminate his maleness. You know, if you go to move a couch or something, maybe you've done this, but if you go to move a couch and you're in a moving party and a, and a bunch of guys are together moving, what happens when you're moving a couch around, a, around the corner or up the stairs or something like that, or you got a heavy refrigerator? What do the guys do? Have you ever been around when guys are moving stuff? They yell at each other. Watch out, I'm hitting my finger. Hey, move over there. Now, if the women are help moving, they get their feelings hurt. Because we think we're mad at you. We're not. I just don't want my fingers scrunched, and I want to get around the corner. And I need you to hear me right now because you're going to hurt me. I'm not mad at you. Guys go through those moving things. We're, we moved, we yelled, we screamed, we're done. We actually might bond through that activity. Men sometimes bond better through doing it and doing things than talking about it. We're different. We're different. And when I'm moving a couch, I don't want to worry about move, hurting your feelings. I just want to move the couch without getting injured. We're different. Both valuable. Together is the image of God. You eliminate one, what? We're not projecting the image of God onto the next generation. You know, when you preach these Father's Day sermons, there's all different ways you should go. You can go. You can either go at the fathers and say, you need to do this, this, and this. Or you can go at those around them. You need to honor your... Went a little broader because we've lost manhood. Manhood is trying to be destroyed in the United States and other type countries. Elimination of fathers. Because it's the fathers that project manliness. But if I can eliminate the father and say that they're not valuable, they're not useful, they're toxic because they're masculine, toxic masculinity. If I can eliminate that and undergird that, so I eliminate the, the impact of fathers needing to be married, we eliminate fathers having to be married, then we don't need the father around all the time. 
We've eliminated husbands, the leadership. Now we can devalue the men altogether, and we crush a society. And we crush a society. And so that's what we're seeing. We are seeing that. So that's what we need to be reminded of. It's a campaign that we need to turn around. And we don't want to be part of the elimination. We want to be part of the strengthening. Yes, there are men that have issues. And maybe some let some of us other men take care of that. But that's not eliminate the men. You know, they say if women were in charge, there would be less wars. I don't know that I believe that. I was on a business trip with a group of people one time, and the restaurant, we, we were in a different state, and the restaurant we had happened to be in, there were some people, this was 20 years ago, and one of the guys, they were wearing furs or something like that, and the girls that we were with, the younger women that were there on this business trip, I, I, don't, I don't go out to eat, me and a woman, even on business lunches. I don't do it. That's another thing, but I don't do that. But there was a group of us. And these, these young ladies start having a conversation, complaining about the people over the next ta table because of what they were wearing and couldn't believe that they were wearing that or whatever they were doing. And the guys at their table are like, oh, great. You're going to stir up a problem, then we're going to have to deal with it. Now, the fact that the people at the other table, one was open carrying a pistol, didn't help the situation, but we wanted those young ladies to be quiet because they were going to cause a problem that they're not going to have to deal with. So I don't completely buy into the thing that if there were more women in charge, that there'd be less war. Because I don't know if they're, I don't know why they had the cause and they were going to stir up the problem. But the guy, we were there, we were going to have to deal with it. So if you want to say something's toxic, there's enough toxicity to go around. Because believe it or not, a woman can be just as sinful as a man. So I want us to think about these things as we're walking through and it's take, as, we, as we've seen this destroying that's been taking place, now we're at the point we don't even know, we know, the Bible tells me, we don't know what a man and a woman are. We didn't get here overnight. We let it slide and let it slide and let it slide. So now some churches even, getting a little soft. They're missing... I think they're out of balance. Don't have enough male and female influence in that church somehow. They've messed up on the leadership. There's no law. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But see, if we don't hurt anybody's feelings, there's no conviction. The Holy Spirit brings conviction, which says 
what you're doing is wrong. It's outside the bounds of what God permits. And there's consequences. I can still love you, but not like what you're doing. And if I condone what you're doing, even though it's wrong, then I'm not really loving you. And if I said to you, well, you be the judge. Well, that's wrong in itself. Because God will judge. And the judgment will be eternal. It's heaven or hell. We have a role to play. We have a role to play. I was listening to the TV on a news station and somebody says we need the pastors to be a little more clear on the boundaries. Now, I think we've always been clear on the boundaries here. But there are some churches that are less than, are losing that aspect of it, that there is nothing wrong with anything. And I'm sorry, if you're not following the word of God, if you're not following the words of Jesus, I think we need to redefine what an evangelical church is, because there's some churches that aren't Christian churches anymore. They've lost their way. Let's be reminded today that it's the full scripture. We're created in God's image, male and female, together. That's what we want to project. And we want to teach our young men and our young women how to fill the roles as individuals, as male and female. As individuals, as husband and wife. As individuals, as mother and father. But you can't be a good father, your best father, when you're a good husband. You can't be a good husband unless you know that you're a male or female. It just, it's the way God created it. The devil's destroying it piece by piece. So let's not be part of his plan. Let's be part of God's plan. Let's be standing. Father God, I pray that you would help us to be renewed and our commitment to your word, and a commitment to the way you designed it. Help us not be a tool of the devil to take dad out of the home. That dad and mom aren't the same. That dad is a man. That dad needs to be the husband of the mother. We've let Satan creep in. Maybe we've been influenced through TV or through society or through Facebook or whatever to try to degrade the man. He's not important. He's stupid. He's toxic. We need less men. Less maleness. It's the male and female together that are in your image. Help us to teach that. Help us to model that. Help us to restore it in the coming generations, and be true to your word and resist those that would try to tear down the doctrine of Scripture, the teaching of what we should be. May we be strong, may we be encouraged, and 
for those that feel like they're all alone. And they start to question. But everybody's telling me this and everybody's telling me that, that they might be renewed in their courage to follow the Word of God. To be obedient to you. To uphold the role of fathers. To uphold the role of husbands. To uphold the role of man. Of a man and his role in all of those. That we might depict the image of God. The full image, male and female. Lord, help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.